Hi, everybody. Welcome back. So glad you could be here. Uh, looking forward to reading more of Exodus 12 with you today. Let's begin with a word of prayer. God, we're grateful for this moment together, for this moment to uh, hear from you as we read your word. Uh, we thank you. The scriptures say that you're a living and an active God, that you're not far away from us, that you're not disinterested in our lives, but you actually want to have a real relationship with us and real encounters with us. And so we pray for that now as we read your word, that these wouldn't just be uh, letters on a page, um, but that you would do something with them as we open ourselves up to you. We pray that we would be different because of this time that we're spending with you. And we ask it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to read Exodus 12, verses 21 to 36. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded, Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flock and herds as you have said and go, and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders and kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Well, here we are. The drama that has been building through our readings over the last week and a half has reached its height in today's passage. Uh, through the Passover, God delivered his people by delivering on his promises. Did, did you notice how everything went exactly as the Lord had told Moses, Moses that it would? All of the firstborn in Egypt died except for those of the Hebrew people who had spread the blood across the top and sides of their door frames because of the incredible destruction of the final plague and because it was clear that God made a distinction between his people and those who were not his people. 
Pharaoh finally gave in and demanded that the Hebrews leave Egypt. And the Hebrews plundered the Egyptians by simply asking them for their possessions. Everything went according to God's plan. As I've reflected on this passage today, I'm struck with how deeply personal this moment had to have been for each member of the Hebrew people. In fact, it seems to me that God designed it that way. We see that explicitly in verse 26, when God is instructing his people to observe the Passover ceremony for generations to come. He he said that their children, and I think we also have to assume that their children's children and, and their children's children's children and so on, would ask them the question, what does the ceremony mean to you? There are moments in American history that I can tell you about. The Civil War, the Industrial Revolution, sending men to the moon, etc. And my retelling of those events may be factually correct. Uh, but certain moments like the ones I just mentioned are simply regurgitation of facts. I wasn't there. I wasn't even alive. There are moments in American history, though, that I do really know about. It's not just that I can tell you the facts, but more than that, I can tell you where I was when they happened. I can tell you what it felt as they happened. We, we now have a generation of young adults who were not born when the events of 9-11 took place, but I was. I can tell you that I was in my kitchen eating breakfast and watching SportsCenter when regular programming was stopped for live coverage showing thick black smoke pouring out of the top of one of the World Trade Center towers. I was a junior in high school and we had off for student day at the county fair. As I watched, uh, reporters were only able to guess at what was happening. And I can remember an almost surreal feeling as if I were watching a movie. Then before I knew it, a second plane struck the second tower. This could not be real. This couldn't be New York City in America. This doesn't happen here. These are some of the thoughts that I had that morning. The world would be forever changed because of that day, and it it certainly made a lasting impression on me. I can tell you that because I lived it. 9-11 was real to me. Dad, Mom, Grandma, Grandpa, what does this Passover ceremony mean to you? How might the Hebrews who lived through that moment have answered that question? It was amazing. It was so stressful. It was both amazing and stressful. We knew God was fighting for us, but we had been in Egypt for so long. Was it really true that we were going to get out, that we were going to be free and and have a land of our own? Would it really be that our children could have hope for their future? We shared one last meal in our homes, and it was absolutely delicious, but Honestly, nobody talked much. We were on the edge of our seats for what God was going to do. We were ready to go, but we didn't even know where we were going. We just knew we were getting out. It was an incredible adventure. There had to have been parents and grandparents, older siblings and friends 
who had been forever changed because of what they witnessed at Passover. And the next generation and the next generation after that heard stories of the faithfulness and power and provision of God. There is incredible power in a testimony, isn't there? At times, attorneys rest their entire case on the testimony of an expert or eyewitness. Their words are clear and calm. They're, they're cool and collected. They are direct with their answers because they've got nothing to hide. When a jury can sense that the person was really there, that, that they saw things with their own eyes, case closed. How about us? That question may seem a little random, I know, but I mean it. How about us? This is our 28th day of the journey together through the scriptures. We've, we've talked about what was, what is, what can be, and what will be. What was was heaven on earth, the Garden of Eden. People in right relationship with God, Him providing everything that they could ever need, showering them with His love and affection, and them enjoying the freedom that that love and affection brought and returning that love by trusting him with their lives. What is? That's life as we know it now. The world tainted by dysfunction, disease, and death. The consequences of sin. The consequences of each one of us failing to trust God. Of disobeying him in, in ways big and small. Of attempting to find the life we were created for in other people. In productivity and achievements. In possessions, and power. What can be? Reconciliation with God. Being right with God through faith in Christ. It's an indiscriminate free gift of grace made available to every race, color, ethnicity, gender, and sexual orientation. What can be is the vision revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What can be is the only hope that will ever truly deliver and what will be heaven again on earth, the condition of Eden restored, not as a garden, but as a city, a city in which God dwells with his people, a, a place in which every tear is wiped away, every sadness dispelled, every anxiety released. It's a place in which there will be no darkness, and no death, because Jesus, the light and the life of the world, will be ever-present. What was, what is, and what will be are set. The story of the Exodus has been told. We read it together over the past two weeks. But so has the story of the spiritual Exodus. The enemy of God had and has people enslaved under sin, bound up so that they can't return to God. They, they don't want to serve him, but they find themselves giving in to him time and time again. But God promised release and redemption, and he delivered it in his son, the Lamb of God. I have to believe that in one of the testimonies from the Exodus, someone talked about walking through the blood on the way out of their home for that final time. The blood of the sacrifice was the gateway from that old life of slavery to the new life of freedom. So it is for anyone who wants the what will be 
to be their reality right now. What can be, what, what is possible for you is new life, freedom from the vices you can't break, from the reliance on other people's opinions for validation and worth, freedom from the stress of striving to find life based on performance. That life of freedom can be yours, but I have to tell you the truth. To get that life, you have to pass through the blood, pass through the blood of the cross to find life. You have to believe that the gift of grace is really yours, and you have to receive that grace by accepting Jesus as your Savior and King. There's no going back to Egypt. That old life of sin and slavery is over. That life is dead. You must die to it so that you can be brought back to life to live free. So there it is. Have you experienced the spiritual exodus? If someone asks you, what does Jesus mean to you? How would you answer? Let's pray. God, thank you again for this powerful story of the exodus and the clear parallels that you told in and through the life and death of your son, Jesus. We thank you that you give each one of us the opportunity uh, to be reconciled back to you by faith, that we don't have to work or strive for it, but we can just accept it like unwrapping a gift on Christmas morning. We pray that um, you would give, especially those of us that have doubts and maybe haven't made that decision yet. We pray that you would just give us a sense of peace as we wrestle through our questions, that you would give us uh, the faith that we need to respond to you. And God, I pray that you would reassure each one of us uh, that you have made a way possible, that you are the great rescuer and that you have a life of freedom waiting for each one of us. We thank you for this day. We ask your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen.